Bad at Parties is sponsored by Abbey Art Seattle and the Ballard Homestead, music, arts, and community events for people of all ages and incomes. With reoccurring events including the Moth Story Slam, Cathedrals, and The Round, there's always an event when you're in Seattle. Check out Abbey Art's online calendar for intimate performances by many of the artists featured on Bad at Parties. Learn more about this nonprofit organization and how you can attend, volunteer, and host events at fremontabbey.org. Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, one-on-one conversations with artists at the corner of the party. I am so excited about having this week's guest on the episode. My good friend, Taylor Sesmet, is here to talk about her new project, Proper Ice Cream Company. After moving from Phoenix to Seattle about a year ago, Taylor has been working on re-engaging with the food community and to be a part of it herself. Proper Ice Cream Company is a new creation of small batch ice cream that Taylor is actively growing, which we're going to talk about on the episode. But if you want to connect directly with Taylor about this, go to www.propericecream.co. You don't need an M, just .co. That's www.propericecream.co. Follow them on Instagram. Who knows? Maybe she'll make you a personalized pint. It's incredibly difficult to start something from nothing, and Taylor's energy and ideas around this are deeply inspiring. Check out Proper Ice Cream Company, and as for now, here we go. Taylor Sessman. Oh, cool. Do you want some water? That'd be great. Cool. I figured if you just came from working out. Um, I was going to work out clothes because I was going to be lazy and actually not ah, shower. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do either, except shower. I did shower. Didn't work out. Nice. Did shower. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. (laughs) I was thinking like, oh, it didn't work out? How does a shower not work out? Shower was broken. No. I don't understand. Do you need a little towel or something? Yeah, sorry. Cool. That's okay. Like, how did you get here? Did you, like, drive yourself here? Uh, Kyle actually needed the car. He Mm. wanted to work today out of Royal Drummer, so. Right. So he just dropped you off. Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. That's great if you're, like, pretty close and central to everything, but to, like, constantly... That's the fear I always have of moving out of the city is, like, what if I'm somewhere and I'm, like, okay, and how do I get anywhere? Like, I'm so just used to walking around and and riding the bus and shit. Exactly. Well, we only have one car, and if we were to stay in the city, we'd only keep one car because biking, walking, busing, cabs and lifts and Uber when you want it, like, it's so easy here. Yeah. But, yeah, being that far out and having to, like, use the freeway to get it and stuff, I'm just like, ah. No. Mm-mm. That'd be so. tough. However, you would have commercial space to do work. That's, yeah. Unproper. I know. That'd be really fun. I know. Have you looked more into, like, what it would look like to get space? Yeah. So it's monthly rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually split up by... So different spaces run it slightly differently. So there's ones that are more segmented that have like certain parts of their kitchen built for different things. So like Hmm. if somebody wants to do something that's more like stove based, oven based, like there's a little bit more of spaces for that. But then there's also big open spaces. So like this girl that I went and visited and bought ice cream from, she actually had like a whole Hmm. pasteurizer that she was able to bring in, stick in this corner, had some other like hot plates and stuff. So she didn't necessarily need to use like the big stove. Sure. And was utilizing that. Um, They have others that are a little bit more like, bring in your own equipment, you can plug it in, use the space. Sure, just a totally empty space with like high capabilities to be like, it can handle like 
high like voltage and exactly. stuff like that. I don't know how electricity works, but I assume you like, can plug like really big machines right. in and it doesn't explode. It, I assume that if I tried to plug in like an industrial stove in this building, the building would burn yeah. up. I don't know why, but it probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's just more typical like kind of setting style where like you have six settings, every setting's the same, and then mm. people just rotate in and out when they nice. need them. But it's usually on a monthly basis. Um, it's like another rent. You're paying thousands yeah. of dollars a month. Right. Um, which is something I want to do, but something when I have more time to do it and make that money worth it because... Absolutely. If you're going to be putting that much cost into it, like, is it returning and charging itself? Yeah. I exactly. mean, because you're wanting to do this, like, as a business. I want to one day not work in a normal setting. Cool. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully be making ice cream and baking and just mm. be around food distribute it'd be so great has that always been like uh i would like to do this this is like on the horizon of i want to go out and be my own boss and like work in this thing like this yeah a little bit um i've always known that the traditional kind of office job is not for me sure um but i've didn't really know past that, like, what I did want to do. Like, sure. I didn't know exactly what that meant. Like, did I want to run my own business? Did I, like, not want to work at all? Sure. It's so <laughs> much easier. I yeah. I mean, sometimes it's so much easier to just, like, kind of whittle it down for all of the things you don't want to do. Like, well, not this, not that. Where am I, like, what am I left with when exactly. you start to do that stuff? Yeah, exactly. Um, and... I grew up working in food. I, mm-hmm. you know, worked at a kind of fast casual pizza spot. I worked at a resort restaurant. Being that my degree was in nutrition, like mm-hmm. I got to be a part of different kitchens throughout ASU and all that jazz. Um, so it, that, there was always kind of a constant there with that. Right. Um, and, you know, you get to interact with so many different people in food service and you get to, experience so many different things and it's different every day which is really nice it's very rarely stagnant and then just realizing that it's also calming for me to be in the kitchen and be baking and you know being a part of creating the stuff that I love to enjoy and share with people it just all made sense yeah that I mean then that makes a lot of sense just needing to be in a space where or wanting to be in a space where I feel like in food it has that perfect balance of isolated I have a project I'm working on this um, especially if you're doing any type of thing like barback or if you're working line or yep. anything like that. Um, versus, and then simultaneously, there's also a lot of people interaction where you can choose that, but it's, or not choose because yeah. you have to be interacting <laughs> with these people, but like that it fluctuates and like there's just such a high demand, like you don't, you're not kind of bored and, and staring out the window. Exactly. Yeah. And that part, just the dynamic side of it keeps me interested because I do get bored relatively easily. So sure. when I can be creative while also being productive at the same time or interacting with different people and hearing different stories and, you know, mm-hmm. exercising my brain at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think that's super tight. <laughs> I know you've done some of the, you've done some of the shops over, oh, I'm totally blanking, not at Delancey. What is it? The, the pantry. pantry. Yes, the pantry. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. You've done some of those like food classes, right? Yes. Nice. Um, you've invited me to them and I've never gone. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is you've invited me to so many things. I finally went to one this week. You did? I did. Well, to one of the things that oh, you invited me I to. I was like, 
You went no, to no, a cooking I went class? No, no, I went to a thing with you this That's week. That's very final. true. <laughs> but no, you've invited me to the, the pantry at Delancey. Yeah. Like a couple times I've never gone. I'm yeah. the worst. That's okay. Has it been super fun? Yeah, it's been super fun. So the first class um, I took there, oh my goodness, what was it? Um, what was the theme around that one? I don't remember the theme, but it was about 12 people. Um, there was one person leading it, and the person actually was a woman who was a really big part in Beechers, starting Beechers, and she worked cool. at Beechers um, for years and years and years and s- slowly started reaching out and actually starting her own consulting business while also still like physically cooking and being a part of food making and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was kind of the lead of the course. You know, we had five or six recipes that we were using, um, made all of these different recipes and it was, I don't know, it was just a lot of fun. It was a community style setting. Yeah. Everybody was at different kind of levels in terms of where they were cooking, sure. what they were cooking, you know, how well they were doing it or how comfortable they were doing. Right. And, um, but it was it was fun. Everybody was enjoying it, and I feel like, you know, getting in the kitchen can be intimidating, but being mm-hmm. able to find a spot where you can be with a bunch of people who are supporting you. Totally, I think that doing that, it. Yeah, that concept of just having a place where it's like, yeah, here are classes. I mean, they're regularly selling out because they're they're definitely putting like really cool people in charge of them, and then making sure that the courses are well done really cool they have like a lot of resources in there it's like a good setting mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've had a bunch of friends that have done those some of them that have like helped out and like volunteered to like be sous chefs and yes. things like that which yeah. is super super cool I think yeah yeah um and I just remember it was cheese the first one I did was cheese that's, right. that's why she was from Beecher's um <laughs> <laughs> makes sense comes full circle right um and then the second Wait, one so were you making cheese yeah we made cheese what yeah like, Okay, is that like starting from like curds? I don't know yeah. a lot about making cheese. So there's a bunch of, there's like a few different ways you could do it. So we did a, we didn't do mozzarella because mozzarella can be kind of difficult, but we did like a paneer. So almost mm. like a, it's like a mid, mildly hard cheese. I actually think it looks a lot like tofu kind of cool. in terms of consistency and actually shape. It's usually squares, but it's usually mm-hmm. used typically in a lot of like Thai and Indian food, if I remember correctly. Cool. Um, and then we did make a, um, ricotta, which was super great. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that a lot when I do like shells and lasagna and stuff. So oh, that man. was really cool. Dude, ricotta <laughs> and pasta. Top notch. Every single time. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and then there were a couple others that we made, but those, I don't remember what those were, but the second pantry class we did was spring farmer's market. So it was mm-hmm. a lot of vegetables. Um, we made like a spatzel. And we made biscuits, and we made actually this really good um, vinegar, like carrot elixir. Hmm. Have you ever had those? No, I don't even know what you're saying. Vinegar <laughs> carrot elixir. Yeah. So <laughs> it was this crazy. And as much as I love food, I also am relatively picky. I have a big thing about texture, mm-hmm. and so um, yes, we've talked about this before. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know, the idea of just, like, mushed up, like, carrots in vinegar and there it was... It doesn't get you going. It, yeah, ginger, like, <laughs> did not do much for me. Right. It was, like, bright orange, and I, I like fresh-pressed juices and things like that, but I was just like, I don't know if I can get behind this. Right. And, oh, my God, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. That's so fun. Yeah. I don't, like, what, what, what was it at the end? Like, what was the actual, like, consistency and flavor of vinegar... Carrot elixir. Yeah, yeah, so the consistency was relatively similar to um, 
let's see, I mean, really like a glass of water or maybe a slightly thicker, um, you know, juice. Sure. Um, but it was relatively, like, liquidy. But I between the carrot and the ginger and then actually just, like, that kind of tinge of um, ginger, vinegar, and carrot. Mm-hmm. Ginger and vinegar are going to start sounding the same. Yeah. <laughs> but the carrot and ginger kind of work together um, in terms of not making it too vegetable-like. Sure. based with the carrot, uh, but then the vinegar actually gave it like a really nice mouth feel, which yeah, is kind no, of crazy. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, it was super good. And also because this is, you talked about this being like farmer's produce, like I can imagine someone being like, oh, a bottle of vinegar from Safeway, some shitty like baby carrots yeah. out of a bag, <laughs> and like a bottle like ginger ale. Like this is not like it's it's nice stuff. It's fresh produce and the texture and the flavor and those things, the natural sweetness that's going to come through is going to be so different from anything you could buy at like the grocery store or something. Definitely. The only place that I've ever actually seen do like drinking vinegars and elixirs is mm-hmm. actually Pock Pock um, from Portland. They, right. yeah, their spot. big thing is drinking vinegar. So they make a ton that you can either add like booze into, you could have straight. Yes, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. And this was the same thing. Like she was like, if you ever want like a good, you know, Sunday morning cure, <laughs> she's like, make this and throw some vodka in it. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dude, that sounds, I, everybody has their hangover cure. Like I am the like just water type of person. Like I've tried to be like a ooh, greasy foods, or ooh, like, really fresh things, and I'm like, no, everything makes me feel sick. I'm yeah. not the type of person who will, like, get, like, throw up or things like that. I'll just be sick for a long period yeah. of time. So I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm just rehydrating. That's all I'm focused on. Yes. No, I agree. I, I'm not a Bloody Mary or Hair no. of the Dog style person. I do like greasy food. Right. I do like making myself a big, like, bowl of pasta after a night of drinking. That's but... great. <laughs> That's good. And... I feel like I could do something like that or I'll always be like, oh, I just need some like toast with an egg on it. And then I'm halfway through and I'm like, what am I doing to myself? (laughs) This is so much worse. (laughs) Like just abstain. Yeah. This is the way to go. No, you're, I think that the pickiness is such an interesting idea because we've talked about this before and I always wonder like, where does pickiness around food come from or is that, I think it has like this like very negative connotation for some people. But I don't know. I think it's like a really interesting thing, and I don't think it's inherently bad by any means. Not at all. And I, my pickiness came from the way I grew up. Right. Um, my mom was not a very accomplished cook. Like she, what she made was good, but it was spaghetti, hamburgers. Sure. Like I think the most exotic dish we made was like a stroganoff style dish that you know was passed down from my you know That's my great. grandma, her mom, and so on and so forth. And sure, she um, was just doing. She was like, these are the things I know. I'm fucking busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, I have three children, all under the age of like 12 years old. You know, I just need to kind of turn and burn food and dinner and make sure everybody's totally. spent at the and end of the day. And not burn it. Yeah, and mostly not burn it. Yeah, turn and not burn it. <laughs> um, and so it was very basic stuff. Like when I was little, I actually, everything plain. Like I didn't really even care for ketchup and mustard and ranch and Mm. all these things just because everything again going back to just these plain pretty consistent meals that really Mm. didn't consist of anything more than like what my mom already put in them right um and I yeah I just that's how I grew up and I was not really exposed to much past that so going into my degree um initially which was kinesiology wanting to be a physical therapist but then changing Mm. that Mm -hmm. um and being able to learn how to cut and prep vegetables the right way 
prepare things the proper way. Like the way you prepare a lot of food changes the way it tastes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's chemical. Like you're changing the chemical makeups of something. It's a lot of science. It's m- exclusively science. Yeah. It's yeah. super crazy. Um, and it, it changed my perspective on not only giving foods a chance that, you know, maybe they weren't cooked necessarily the best when I would try them, but also it empowered me to want to try to cook these foods. Mm. Thus, if I cooked it, I wanted to eat it at the end or at least try it. So I try to get into this mindset of like, I will try everything once. And Hmm. if I don't like it, I never have to eat it again. If I like it, I will eat it again and, you know, do different things with it. And um, so as I got exposed to just more opportunities to eat different things and prepare different things and actually like Mm. moving out on my own and having my own kitchen and being able to go grocery shopping on my own really changed my perspective of like what is out there for me to try, thus making me less picky. Right, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that concept of picky means like I have, like am I capable of enjoying this? Like is this something that like I can do it and simultaneously enjoy? If not, like why the fuck are you eating that? Like like you're just like, this is cool. It's cool to eat this thing. It's like, no, it's really lame to force yourself to like do something you hate. Yeah. Like of course try stuff. I think that that's where I see pickiness get a bad rep. Right. Is where you're unwilling mm-hmm. um, to expose yourself. Yeah. Um, or, you know, a lot of times if you're not great at communicating with people and you're you're putting yourself in situations where, you know, you're having meals or things like that with others and then you're like, like, great, here's everything. And you're like, I can't eat any of this. Totally. Uh. Yeah. It. I would 100% agree with you with that. Um, and I think it's all about... It's all about just willingness at the end of the the day too. And I think that bounces off of what you were saying about it of just like, you're right. Nobody wants to do anything they don't enjoy, but how do you know you don't enjoy it if you don't at least try it? And then exactly again, bouncing off what you said, Mm -hmm. you know, that gives that a bad name at the end of the day and gives it a connotation. That's not fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I, I think it's cool also to like hear you talk about, I was how you, I didn't know that about your mom. I didn't know that about stuff. And like to, to hear that kind of just, come out of you in, internally feels like that's much more of a, you know, we have a lot of different types of art. I like to have food on the show and talk about this because there's all these visual medium arts and auditory medium arts, and there can be like aural arts, like where, or oral, yeah, oh. like where your aural is here. Don't put your food in your ear. We don't <laughs> I just, put carrots I put, in ears. You know, put those peas in your ears. It's fun, kids. Go to the doctor. It's real cool. <laughs> this is Andy Zook at a party. He's talking to future ghosts. Put a pee in your ear. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's not sexual. So when, <laughs> no, but it's like the tasting things and like that is a sensory experience. Totally. Like any other art form, but that just people a lot of the times um, may or may not feel like it's a medium that they can get into or mm-hmm. that they, they, they know how to like get started to. And like, I think that with any art form, once you do it, it is about... Um, creating this version of yourself and being like, I want to be the person who paints. You know, it has less to, I think a lot of time it has less to do with, I, I want to, I need to see this thing, but right. more about like, I want to be the person creating this. And right. I don't know. Do you feel like you're making yourself the version of yourself that is making these foods and, and engaging in that as like a, this is who I want to be? Does that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so something that, I've really resonated with with food is I feel like it's one of the last big um, kind of soirees, I guess you could say, that, you know, when you put a ton of food 
down on a table, regardless of what setting you're at, people are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to make me sound a lot older than I am, but everybody is stuck in their phones all the time and everybody is stuck on their computers at work and at home. And like, I am just as guilty of it as anybody else, probably more some days than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when you're in a setting where, you know, there's a communal food setting or you are at a little bit more of maybe a fancier dinner party or even at a restaurant, like I think people attempt to be more engaged pretty consistently. Um, and I've always been a people person. I love talking. I love sitting in a group setting, learning about people, asking questions, them asking me questions back and really just trying to have a beneficial conversation, you know, at the end of any interaction and, um, being able to be the person who kind of creates that event or creates that feeling or creates that space for people to come in and get to know people maybe they've known for 10 years or people Mm -hmm. they've known for 10 minutes you know from the moment they walk through the front door so I feel like it's putting a piece of me kind of like you were saying on Mm -hmm. this table of being able to interact with people and really be my best self in terms of being Mm -hmm. social and wanting to interact with people the way I can but also by providing them you know something that I'm passionate about which is the food and I do love cooking and I love hearing people's reactions good and or bad you know Mm -hmm. it's there's just so many different intricacies in what food can do and how I feel like it also brings out the best in me Mm -hmm. um to really just make it at the end of the day an ideal setting right yeah, and I think that that's so true, like that idea of putting a, a piece of yourself on the table. I'm like, I have definitely entered into settings where, you know, there's a bunch of people, maybe friends or something like that. I don't know a bunch of the people. And sitting down at a table in that environment can be really anxiety-creating for me. Absolutely. Um, and it's so nice to instead be like, here's something I made that you get to consume. This is a gift. You also made something I get to consume. Maybe we don't know how to consume each other's words in conversation, right. but like I know how to like put this in my mouth yeah. and chew. <laughs> and in that, I'm understanding you. And it yeah. can be so much of an easier, approachable thing. And even if it's just something you bought, you know, like totally. this is your taste. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to what you were just saying about not being able to communicate with words or feelings or whatever that may be. All you have to do is turn to the person next to you and say, that banana bread you made was delicious. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, what's your recipe? And then all of a sudden you've opened up this conversation of something that they are proud of either making, bringing, being a part of, you know, it ending up here on this table. Mm-hmm. People are passionate about that. Yeah. They like that. You know, people like to talk about themselves. If you don't know where to start, compliment somebody on their food. More often than not, they will open up like a book. <laughs> sure. Well, one of my one of my favorite um, professors that I had in school who was, when we were working through like some psychology classes, kind of talked about these different layers, and this is a common conversation, but yeah. like these different layers of topics of conversation. You can talk about something that's totally external of both parties. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the weather. Right. You see it, it doesn't, it's not because of us. You can talk about something that you have in common right. that's external of you, like, oh, you like this thing, I also like that thing, or have that. Mm -hmm. Um, You have this truck, I also have this truck, (laughs) things like that. Um, You can then begin to talk about uh, things that represent the other person, like, oh, this is how you care about that, similar, like, you you made this, Mm -hmm. this is a a version of you, and then getting to talk about you yourself and how you feel about those things. So, like, slowly, like, different layers of conversation. I feel like when you're talking about something that someone else has made like that, it can so easily encapsulate any of those layers and it can allow you to transition of, oh, this is totally external. Mm-hmm. Oh, here is how I got this from my mother. Oh, we're talking about your mother. Like, it's so easy in environments like that to 
ebb and flow between layers of conversation based on your comfort level. Absolutely. And it's something that at the end of the day, people have to do. Mm-hmm. People have to eat. People have to eat. <laughs> people have to eat. And it's fun. And it's fun. Yeah. Exactly. It It's super fun. And it's, it's something that I... Like, I don't know, there's just so, I feel like a lot of the time there's so much negative connotation around food and, you know, you start talking about diets and weight and Mm -hmm. nutrition and all of these bits and pieces of stuff that's important when it comes to food. But at the end of the day, like if you can harbor a feeling of being happy with yourself, with the people you're around and feel like that you are making a good decision for yourself, like eating this food and being in this moment, I think at the end of the day, like that's super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, being able to foster that and kind of encourage that and be a starting point for that is amazing. Like I've even had a few friends who have not started, they did not cook at all. Sure. (laughs) Not at all. Um, and it's one of those things that's like, how did you do this? Can I have one recipe? Like, where did you start? Things like that. And it's like, I started by screwing up. Like Mm -hmm. I did not become, I did not start to enjoy cooking overnight. I did not start to really like, you know, be good at it overnight. It was actually super stressful the first few times I started. Yeah. You, you need to cry over a meal. You need to really, and I'm not like, you need to buy stuff, fuck it up. And have to go get a PB&J and like (laughs) sob into your PB&J because you fucked it up. Yeah, and I've done that. I've burnt garlic thousands of times before even getting anything else in the pan. (laughs) I've like literally ruined pans by singeing like refried beans on the bottom of them and I can't scrape it off. Like (laughs) stuff that, you know, it's just things that are, they're so discouraging when you're starting from scratch and not really sure where you fit in in this whole kind of idea of food and cooking and being a part of this experience. Um, but you know, that's, that's what I tell him. I said, screw up, be willing to like throw stuff away, be willing to know something's probably not going to taste as good as it maybe should, or as good as you thought it was going to, Mm -hmm. but try again. Yeah. I was like, I used to, for example, like when I started getting into baking treats, like cookies and cakes, I was, I felt like I had to be so precise. And if Mm. I didn't do it, it was not going to come out well. And I've slowly gotten away from that. And now, and even I would say with like my ice cream and mix-ins and flavors and things like that, I'm a little bit more um, daredevil, I guess you could say, when it comes to being able, just being a little bit more liberal or um, ambiguous in terms of interpreting recipes and what works best and what not, you know, doesn't Mm -hmm. work best. And again, being willing to say that really sucked. Right, right. (laughs) And I'm never doing it again. Sure. I would have never known that (laughs) if I I didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, and so many people um, don't have a safe space. And I think that that is one of the biggest problems is we've grown up in in households where you have to make these cookies right. And if you accidentally put in salt instead of sugar, like someone's going to get really upset at you because you ruined it. Right. And like, I think that idea of ruined is something I never want to engage in. Right. In, In my life, like... If, if I ever have people that I'm influencing, like there is no concept of, of ruining. Right. Um, you, you tried something, it went different, like learn from this, try something different next time. And I think that if you can learn like that there is the potential for grace, you know, and that's hard if you've grown up in an environment where maybe you were shamed for those things. Yeah. Like Tin said, just say like, I get to, how do I create a safe space for myself or how do I enter into safe space with others where I know that I can make a mistake and still be a good. Totally. You know? And 
I'm a big visual person with food, so even going to just the very most outer level of it of how food looks, like I I'm a big visual person, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily put that care into all of my food. Like sure. I'll just, you know, if I'm making enchiladas, I'll just slop a bunch of sauce on top sure. and cheese and, you know, bake them and call it a day and they don't look good, but they taste just as great. And in this age and having food photography be such yeah. a big thing and people mm-hmm. are so interested on sharing their food, which I think is a step in the right direction of, again, mm-hmm. creating this kind of positive community of bringing people together around food. But it's intimidating when you see somebody who says they baked a perfect cheesecake or they did, you know, have a perfect scoop of ice cream on a cone right. or something and they're taking all these crazy lit photos of it and it's filtered and it's this and it's that and I'm just as guilty of posting pictures like that too, but I know for me it's even super discouraging seeing some of this stuff that I'm just like, it doesn't look like that. Like, I'm sure it tastes the exact same, but, mm-hmm. you know, it. and that's another facet of it, of just feeling like that you will never be able to achieve what some of these people are doing, and it's like, no, they probably did that 15,000 times, right. or it's Photoshopped, or it's not, you know, it's fake. Like, mm-hmm. it's fake food. You know, they sprayed hairspray on it to make it look shiny, and right. it was made three weeks ago, and now it's just you know, stale. Like, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's just like, it's to meant to look good and not be eaten. And I think that, you know, I can get into this whole thing about like all the right ways and the wrong way to do in my mind, like photography around food, just right. because I, you know, my, my cousin is that blogger. She does, yeah. um, not without salt blog. She's opened up a shop very soon, which is very so exciting. exciting. So exciting. Um, but just seeing like her be someone who takes these beautiful photos, does all this stuff and then simultaneously will, um, supplement that with like, look at my giant pile of dishes. Yeah. Look at like this mess I've made. Look at these crazy things. Look at what the kids did while I was making this. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to clean up this. And I think just seeing people do that where they are showing both sides of the story is so important. Um, totally. If you're trying to influence people who don't have a sense of safety, if you're trying to create a culture where people in and engage in that, mm-hmm. make your goddamn self-approachable yeah exactly (laughs) like don't be on on this pedestal like I can't get to you if you're way up there and I think that she just does it so perfectly yeah yeah no that's I would agree with you and I think that's that's in anything I know I've tried foraying into other stuff like doing a little bit more like cross-stitching and embroidery and like sewing stuff that's a little bit more Mm. out of the kitchen cool and it's been super discouraging though because I I've literally never done this ever before I can fix buttons on shirts and I can fix like very minor holes in like pants and that's pretty much it (laughs) right well isn't that like such a good thing though to like enter into an art form that you have no engagement, like have never engaged in before and go back to that like, oh, this is what it's like to suck again. Yeah. Ah. No, it totally does. And it it humbles me going back even into the kitchen at the end of the day because I'm like, I, you know, this turned out like shit. I, this embroidery design I was doing is not great. I'm over it. But you know what I am good at? Baking brownies. Mm-hmm. Go in, do what I need to do. But it also humbles me when I am baking those brownies because I'm like, man, these did suck like three years ago <laughs> when I started baking these. And it just puts things into perspective and still allows me to want to have these larger goals mm-hmm. than just like be a decent, you know, cook or baker or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that those ideas are so important. And like once you get to a place where you can have grace for yourself, you can enter into those things. Like what a healthier spot. To, to then start saying, like, what if I start doing this as a business? Like, if you enter into something like, I'm going to start doing proper ice cream, and you don't have the ability to have grace and flexibility, like, 
you're going to end up being really mad at somebody. It's either going to be yourself or everybody else that you work with. Yeah. But, like, you've got to come into that being like, all right, let's start screwing some shit up. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, honestly, that's kind of what I went in with this mindset. Like, I've been throwing around this idea for probably 12 to 18 months now. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it was always kind of, again, something I wanted to do, wasn't sure exactly what, and... I just was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, this is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. This makes me feel good at the end of the day. Like, it's just something I need to do and I want to do it. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that if I say something publicly, I it helps me stay accountable. Like, Absolutely. I'm really good at self-motivation and prioritization and things like that. But I also fall into the realm of like, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to go to the gym today. But, you know, if I didn't really tell anybody, I'm not going to go. And Totally true. It's fine. Um, and I knew I just, I have an amazing community around me, which Mm. I'm very thankful for in a lot of different regards. Great family, amazing friends, great, even more acquaintances, but people who are also involved in small businesses in different places. So just have like that, uh, mindset there. And I was like, I just have so many people who I know would be so excited for this that, Again, why not? Like, yes. they will be there when I do screw stuff up. Like, they'll be willing to be taste testing or they'll yes. be willing, you know, if I want to try to ship it to Phoenix, like, and it turns out melty, you know, like, I want to make sure that I have people there who can help me support right through the stuff that does suck to then continue to also be there on the other side when that is figured out and mm-hmm. taken care of. Well, and I mean, like, you're going to make these mistakes. They're right. going to be a part of the process. So, like, what a better thing to, like, make those mistakes with people who want to see you succeed, right. who won't throw you under the bus, who will say, hey, I'm honest with you, this this came to me and it's super melted. You might want to change your distributor. Like having that that honest response to be like, hey, I know that this will help you, Taylor. I know that this is how what you're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so that also was a huge influence in terms of why I was just, I just kind of... I'm doing it. I did it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no better way to describe it than just deciding to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a great experience, and it's been really neat to be able to see um, kind of what response I've gathered. And I haven't, I've literally done nothing past like posting pictures on Instagram and Facebook, and like right. that's pretty much it. Um, and I still have people who are emailing me and interacting with me. I actually just had one of my like favorite teachers from high school actually just emailed me this morning asking about it and, you know, how are you doing? And I'm actually wanting to open my own business too. Like, what are you thinking? And, you know, I have always been relatively young. Any, anytime I've walked into a room in terms of it being a business, in terms of it being a job, like whatever it may be, like I tend to be one of the younger people in the room and, Sometimes that's discouraging. Sometimes it also really empowers me to know that I'm doing a ton of stuff at the HIM app. But yeah. it's been really neat to be able to see these people from all of these different walks of life. Again, who I knew generally supported me and would be excited. But, like, again, come to me for advice. Ask how I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Ask if it's going well and expect me to be honest and humble and, you know, personable enough to give them responses like mm-hmm. I want to. Um you know, when I would have honestly assumed the opposite, that they had more experience than me or they would have had a better idea than me. But at the end of the day, nobody knows anything. Right, nobody knows anything. <laughs> like, and you're doing something totally unique that, yeah. like, how you approach it is completely up to you. Like, they, you could, they could have a lot of advice. They could have all of this expertise. But I feel like you're also the type of person who's going to come into this and approach it and be like, yeah, but I'm not trying to do 
you know, I'm not trying to do Molly Moons. Right. I'm not trying to do Bluebird. I'm right. trying to do something really different. Yeah. And I mean, as somebody who's eaten the ice cream, one of the very yeah. few, one of the lucky <laughs> few, and like being like, holy shit, like I, this is my breakfast now. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. And I was just like, yeah, this is really different than, than like other ways that I've seen people present ice cream. Yeah. And I... Again, I like the personal aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I like being able to have a conversation with somebody about it, get their feedback, see what their, you know, visceral response is to something. Because it's easy enough to throw anything food-wise into your mouth and, you know, swallow it, say it was decent, and walk away and just be like, oh, my God, that was absolute garbage. Yeah. Oh, totally. (laughs) Um, But I feel like being able to be there and see that visceral response from people like you or, you know, bringing it into work and sharing it with family and friends is just like it gives me a realistic response of what I'm doing when I think I am doing something differently. And mm-hmm. hearing that that is kind of the visceral and initial response from people makes me encouraged to continue doing what I'm doing and, again, continue to stay outside of the box and keep that personable aspect to mm-hmm. it and not just try to churn and burn churn for and a, burn. Little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a fun. Um, <laughs> you know, people in and out of the front door for a scoop of vanilla ice cream and some hot fudge. Like, that's great. I love it. I'm just as much of a fan of any other local shop in the area than, you know, as much as the next person. But mm-hmm. to be able to just do something slightly differently and, you know, maybe one day have a storefront as the ultimate goal, which at the end of the day it right. is, but still foster a different experience when somebody walks through the door rather than just, like, four-hour lines out the front. <laughs> right. I'm now trying to think of, like, what do you put in the ice cream that becomes titled the churn and burn? Like, yeah. that's the one, <laughs> like, you can get a pint of churn and burn. And I, like, maybe it's, like, toasted marshmallow or something. I was going to say s'mores, I feel yeah. like, yeah. Oh, shit. I would totally eat churn and burn. Uh, patent pending. Patent pending. Yes. <laughs> Andy will get 30% of that. Yes. You heard it here. Future ghost. Um, no, that's so fun. I think it's really cool. From my perception, I kind of wanted to, like, articulate like this is what it looked like to me and like here if you're like yeah that's right or no it's kind of more like this I felt like when I had it it was cool because there was like this oatmeal element to the ice cream that I had like where there was actual like oats in it like on the top and that's what it seemed like when I was looking at picture that it kind of reminded me of like a reverse fruit on the bottom yogurt where instead it was like um, the additional thing on the top where Mm -hmm. it was added in post churn um, still slightly integrated in, but like very m- much not something that's just a mixed in ice cream, but you're like, wow, look at this. It kind of almost even has like an ice cream parfait feel to that. Yeah. So I, everything's very, very small batch right now. Um, and I actually hand mix in most of the mix-ins. Mm. I'm a huge mix-ins person. I know everybody's kind of somewhere different on that spectrum. Um, but I feel like when done well and you have the right kind of makes sense. Like you could put in as many or as little as you want. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to, I'll turn, turn the base flavor, whatever that may be. Um, so for example, the one you're talking about, it was like a brown sugar cinnamon base. Mm-hmm. Um, so I turned the base by itself. It, you know, thickened up. Um, and then I actually distributed the base into the cups just a little bit to kind of, um, fill the bottom. And then I actually hand mixed in the oats in each cup. Mm-hmm. And then I put another layer, swirled it a little bit, did another, um, you know, layer of the oats and so on and so forth. And then at the end, just as you described, I like to put kind of a mix of the mix-ins right on top. Um, people, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, some people take the cherry off top of the sundae, which is fine. Some people leave it on. 
Um, but mm. I like it from a presentation standpoint, yeah, going back to being super visual and being a mixins person. Like there is nothing more than I love to like open up a pint of, you know, cookies and cream ice cream. And there's just like Oreos yeah, all, right over, the all over the top. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and like the, that pain when you open it up and it's just a, a sheet of white <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I, I really hope that somewhere in, yeah. in this, there is at least an Oreo. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're like double checking that you didn't buy vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I actually, so I recently went to New York, um, and I went to actually a creamery called Ample Hills Creamery, Hmm. and they started out of Brooklyn, now they have seven shops in New York, and I think a couple actually in Florida, in the Disney World kind of complex, um, and that's actually the recipe book that I've used, I have a couple other that I actually haven't even broken into yet, because I'm so obsessed. What's the book called? (laughs) Um, it's, I think it's literally just like the Ample Hills creamery cookbook it's cool. just their flavors it's their backstory kind of what they use um and that's actually been a lot of my inspiration for the flavors that they mm. do and although they have seven shops they actually hand mix everything everything's still small batch like it's honestly an amazing kind of production system mm, very cool um and so they've kind of been my inspiration in terms of like how I've been doing my flavors and how I've been mixing them in and the ingredients that I'm using and whatnot because it's just consistently produced such an amazing end product that I can't get myself yet to try anything else. I'm not sure. ready to suck again at it. Right. I, dude, you gotta go through those phases. That's oh um, man, I had this I'm sorry, I'm totally gonna like no, sidetrack. I'll come back but like I had a great guitarist friend who uh one of my best friends in college who would always talk about like when you're playing guitar, you would go through the phases of like I'm really bad at playing like simple music and yeah. now I'm good at playing simple music and now I'm bad at playing more complex music mm-hmm. and just like going through those moments where like you're going to hit the top of this kind of tier and then you're going to go into that next one yep. and so like it would be foolish to all of a sudden be like great I've gone from like bad to medium on this time to move on it's like well you're you're building in your gaps you're filling in all this information I think there's nothing wrong with copying masters or copying people that are really good and being like, great, I know how to do it exactly like they did. I'm going to take this, this, and that from that experience yep. and bring it into this where I start sucking again, but at least I have these things that I know I'm keeping. Exactly. And um, so I started using their cookbook and actually making their ice cream flavors before I'd even gone to New York. Um, New mm. York was kind of a... Cool. So it was like a destination well, a you wanted to go to. Yes. Yeah. And I got there and I ate it. And it tasted exactly like I made it at home, Fuck yeah. which was just like, it was so awesome. And it was really, really neat. It was really encouraging. And, you know, it, go. yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, I was definitely bragging about it to like mm-hmm. everybody I talked to about it. Cause I thought it was super neat. Like, hell yeah, I'm not a huge person that puts myself up on a pedestal, but like, this was my one goal and this is what really inspired me and kind mm. of like a, um, like a role model, I guess you could say in terms of just the business aspect of it to be able to like know that I'm getting close to reaching that, like, in terms of just the flavor and actual consistency and taste and whatnot, like, was super, real, like, relieving <laughs> almost yeah. at the end of the day. Um, and so that was really great. And talking about getting a little bit more ambiguous, you know, I start adding in the vanilla at a little bit of a different time, or I'm adding in extra spices, or mm-hmm. I'm using a different base with the different mixins from a different one. And so I am slowly starting to, like, put the pieces together in terms of, like, all right, these black and white worked super well. It's great. I could probably eat this whole quart and, like, call it a day and do it again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, not at all. Not a damn thing. Um, 
but I'm getting to the point now where I'm still sticking with these more simplistic or simpler flavors or ideas, but I'm putting my own spin on it. Like you said, to fill the gaps, to take myself from being, you know, kind of sucky to medium and being able to like actually hit a goal, Mm -hmm. but then also to exceed that simplistic goal, know that I can make these correct decisions on a ingredient recipe kind of scientific level and then exactly like you said go into that next sector Mm. of maybe crazier flavors different mix-ins maybe the way I'm tempering the base or freezing the base or you know Mm. whatever it may be yeah I think what's so cool about that is that it's for like the way you're structuring this you've you've said like great business is out there it's on the internet like can anyone (laughs) buy anything no well I mean like email me and we'll figure something out (laughs) exactly Um, but like the point being like you're like great I've created this platform and now I'm just continuing to develop and develop right. and develop. Um, and not, I think like I see so many people be like, great, I've got one thing and now I'm going to just go full 100% and just focus on like the business side of things and the marketing side of mm-hmm. things. And I, I see that in music. I see that in visual totally. mediums. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with just, with just going for it. But when you leave that... Mm-hmm. challenge myself by the wayside, I think it's very easy to get yourself into a spot where you're. N- it's no longer safe for you to make mistakes. Right. Like we were talking about before, because you have put yourself into a place where you're like, now this is monetarily demanding. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't mess up now because what if I mess up and someone has to buy it? Right. Like, you're making yourself in a place where you're like, I'm not dependent on this being good. Right. Which I think is so important. Yeah, and I, I would say I'm looking at it from that perspective, because I do know I have people around me, like, you know, going back to my community who support me, whether it's good or bad. And I'm not looking to be distributing, you know, across all 50 states and Europe within 12 months. Like that'd be really dope. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I, um, you know, I just want to create a product that people enjoy that make people feel good. It makes me feel good at the end of the day. And, I'm willing to spend money to make money, you know, to have that happen and ship it to different people and figure out all these processes before I do get too far ahead of myself and start marketing myself as this like kind of one-stop shop for whatever ice cream you want. And one day, you know, right now I don't really have any set flavors. Mm -hmm. I, it's kind of custom in terms of what I feel like making, what people suggest, what people want, um, which is awesome, but that's also not sustainable in the long run too. But what it's allowing me to do right now is really gauge like what's popular. Mm -hmm. You know, it's again, very small. So it's a small sample size, but if people are super interested in more of like the sweet and savory, so like the munchies, the one where I have M&Ms and pretzels and potato chips. Oh my God. It's so good. I was like, that was like one of those ones where I was like, I'm so glad someone wants that. Yeah. That's not what I want at all, but I bet it was really good. Yeah. I bet like, it was like one of those things where I was like, I bet if I try that, I would probably really enjoy it. But I was just like, I would never be like, hey, Taylor, you want to put some potato chips in there? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I, I was the same way. Um, but the great thing is like the potato chips were literally smothered in like sugar and butter. Mm-hmm. So they were sweet. I imagine it it's makes like... Them- Dipping your French fries into the milkshake. Exactly. It's the sweet and salty is what it is. Um, But exactly, not everybody is into that. So being able to then understand people just want a cookie dough or cookies and cream or something that's a little bit more traditional and understandable, like being able to gauge, you know, okay, do do I get really good at some of the more just basic flavors and then, you know, have two or three rotating crazier ones and figure that out? Or are people really into kind of the funky flavors? Because, again, like any food when done right, things mostly can taste generally pretty decent Mm -hmm. and then you know just have chocolate and vanilla kind of on the side so this is it's really 
allowing me where I'm at right now and how I'm kind of structuring this, although it's a little bit more expensive and time consuming for me right now, in my mind, in the long run, this is going to give me more of that actual like market research and stuff that when I do want to do marketing and expand in terms of where I'm selling myself, um, you know, go ahead and figure out exactly what people want at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there's also that idea um, of, of being like, I'm spending money on this. Well, yeah, that's it's because it's something you want to do. Right. Anybody getting started in any art form, step one is you have to invest in yourself. Like mm-hmm. you have to just say, I'm buying the guitar. I'm I'm buying yep. the paints and the canvases. Yep. Like just just get the like do these things because you want to play. Mm-hmm. If if you come to a place where you're like, I no longer want to play. This isn't a thing. Be done with it. Yep. But like, you right now is like doing it right one hundred percent. Like, it, it's not like, once I get to there, then I'll be doing it right. Like, you're doing it right right now. Yeah, and it's funny you say that, because it's like ruffles, like potato chips. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought a bag of ruffles in years. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm personally not a potato chip person. Sure, I don't totally. buy potato chips. And now I just have, like, a half-used, like, open <laughs> bag in my pantry. I have, like, multiple things of Oreos and skim milk powder and, like, all of these just crazy things that, like, I'm using here and there, but... I'm probably not going to finish the bag of ruffles unless I make another batch, right. like, or somebody asks for it and Dude, things like that. Listen, so it's just if you're having problems with out. half bags of ruffles, like <laughs> I got your back, you know, like I'm I'll, here for you. <laughs> like I will bring 100%. those to you. Cool, cool. I'm glad we can we can work that out. I think it's really important to say like I am 100 percent about the ruffles. Okay, that yeah. is good to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just willing, you know, it's. You get your hands dirty, you probably spend more money than you should and or sure. want to. But at the end of the day, like, you know, it the ultimate goal is for it to work out. Right. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's kind of what I keep going back to. Mm-hmm. I think that that's great. I think it's so easy to spend um, your money or your time doing bullshit that just makes you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's cheaper if I just, like, watch this show. Right. You know, or if I just, like, you know you know, just make this meal for myself or something like that. It's like, yeah, those things are great. Those are important things. You should be doing self-care in that regard. But also, you know, like, take some risks. Do some stuff to challenge yourself. Push yourself in a place where you know, like, that's the person I want to be. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of those risks, too, end up turning into things that do become self-care. Like, Mm -hmm. I love being able to go home, like, throw on some sweatpants and get messy in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that, you know. I love being able to just kind of mix stuff and smell it and it see it come together and you know that's therapeutic for me whereas it did usually stress me out starting out and when I was learning this it was super stressful but now it's like this is my solace this is what I enjoy doing like this is my job away from my job but the job that you know I really enjoy coming home to at the end of the day yeah. um so I think trying to see the bigger picture with that in terms of risks that you're taking like at the end of the day, those things can turn into what you actually really end up doing mm-hmm. and what you end up really enjoying, Yeah, which oh, is super cool. <laughs> I think that that's super cool. I, and it, it goes back to, like, literally where we started this conversation. It's just be the version of yourself that you want to be. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, like, that, I think that's so much about why I like doing this podcast, having these conversations with people, is just empowering. I want to see you, Taylor, right. continuing to do this because they can see how exciting it is for you. Right. I can see how it, you're just, like, yeah, this is me living into the best version of myself. And I think it's um, it's so great that you have a community, and I think that that's so rare for people mm-hmm. to have folks around them who are telling them, 
like, yes, those risks you're taking are good. We see you being the best version of yourself. Um, and, and I, you know, I just want to see more of that. I really want to live into that for myself, for others. Yeah. I think it's great. And I think it's something a lot of people don't not do intentionally, mm-hmm. um, or intentionally not do, I guess makes more sense in that regard. But mm-hmm. it's just something that's easy to forget. Like when you are feeling frustrated or you are feeling down about yourself or something that you're doing, or you're just like not feeling good. Like the last thing you want to do is go behind somebody and start like rallying them on and cheering them on. Totally. Um, but mm, yeah, like, like, like that's really difficult. And right. I'm, I'm, stu- I'm just as guilty of that oh, totally. too. Like I'm preaching all this stuff, but I do the same exact thing. Like I don't necessarily want to listen to somebody, you know, crying next to me about whatever they're upset about. If I also feel upset because I had a stressful day at work or, you know, whatever, you know, I almost got hit walking across the crosswalk. Like, I don't know, you know, Um, there's a million things that could play into that. But at the end of the day, I know how much of a difference it's made to me when people who I know are going through hard stuff or are going out of their way to really support me, like how well that makes me feel. And being able, again, to try to continuously reciprocate that and be that person, regardless of who it is. Like, even this, like, I've never done anything like this. Right. And it's super neat to be able to sit across from you. Like, you're great at this. You're conversational. Hmm. You're friendly. And it's, like, something, like you said about me, like, you can tell you're passionate about. And being able to be a part of people's passion projects, like, I didn't realize was something I was passionate about or really enjoyed hmm. mm-hmm. until I started having a community of people who do things outside of their job. Absolutely. You know, friends back home who have a coffee shop, they're about to open up their own first, like, individual brick and mortar. And really? They, yeah. That's and, so great. What's it called? Uh, Provision Coffee. In Phoenix? Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Um, And they started roasting their own beans and selling them at a church coffee shop. Mm. They started then doing a little bit more distribution, going into different churches, things like that, and then they became a part of a um, kind of like a salon co-working spot um, cool. where they were their coffee bar in there. They do beer and wine and small bites and stuff. Um, but, yeah, they're opening up in the most beautiful neighborhood in Phoenix, like their own standing shop in this really cool shopping center that's coming in that's all somewhat small business owners, locals, you know, owners, things like that, local shops. And, um, you know, I'm talking like this, like it's been a three-year project. No, this has been like, gosh, I would probably go to say almost a eight or ten-year project right. for them. It takes a long time to get that stuff together. Yeah. It takes a long time to get someone to be like, I'm willing to take a chance on you and have you in this co-working space and do something like that. Exactly. You know? Totally. Um you know, and so seeing people go through these trials and tribulations and being able to learn from them, but also be there to support them, like, I don't, there's just nothing like that at the end of the day. And I think, again, coming full circle, that goes back to me being a people person. Like, I am a people pleaser. I do like to see people happy. I have sacrificed myself sometimes in that, Mm -hmm. which I've also been learning for me is not the best thing to do, you know, so figuring out that fine line there. Um, But at the end of the day, like, if there is something I could do that is not going to put me out in any way, whether it's a text message, whether it's a phone call, whether it's going to somebody's shop opening, whatever it is, like, and I can do it easy. Like, I will do it because I know for them that could be the difference Mm -hmm. for that day, for that event, for that experience, whatever it is that, like, somebody showed up. Sure. Not necessarily that was me, but that somebody was there. (laughs) Well, and knowing knowing how hard it is to ask for that from somebody else. To say, like, it is uncomfortable and yucky to, to, to go to someone else and say like, I need your encouragement. I need you to show up. Yeah. Like, I think that my question then for you as somebody who is trying to do that for other people, 
while simultaneously acknowledging it's hard to ask for what you need. Like, in a project like this, as yeah. you're engaging with it, what do you think right now is the way that people can best, like, empower you to continue doing the thing that you're doing? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I mean, really just be there. Like, yeah. that. that is, it's such an ambiguous answer, but be there and be there for how they see best fit. Like I generally can read people somewhat well. And, you know, I know for some people a phone call is like a huge thing for them to do. Whereas, you know, I know people also who would in a heartbeat fly out to Seattle and come help me distribute if I needed it. Like, so really just being there and being honest too. Like if something sucks, tell me, like if you see me doing something that you think could be doing like done better, like, let me know, tell Mm -hmm. me why. Like I want to know, Mm -hmm. um, which is, why on my side of things, I do try to keep it somewhat approachable and humble and ask these people for this because that is what I want. And I'm a big believer in like what you put out in the world, you get back. Totally. And so the great thing for me is that, you know, I have made a conscious effort to try to be a part of people's projects and things like that. And I mm-hmm. feel very thankful that that's been reciprocated for me without having to ask too much. Sure. Like, I still do because I overshare a lot of the time and I want to know, like, like I want to make sure that they're not just, like, you know, faking whatever they're saying or, you know, not telling me the whole truth. But, um, you know, I just, I feel like I've been very thankful that I put myself in a position to not even have to necessarily ask for it yet. That's great. I think I will and I want to. Sure. Well, Um, I, I think a lot of that comes from being somebody who does, is willing to say, like, I'm going to initiate and model you're modeling this is the type of behavior yeah. I want also back like yeah. it sounds like like kind of your I'm going to call it love language yeah. your love language is similar how you present and also how you receive absolutely yeah um and you know I've been super honest that I don't know what I'm doing totally. <laughs> you know I'm not going into this like knowing I know everything because I don't and I think that has made it really easy for people to also just kind of solicit their opinions to me and Mm -hmm. know that like I'm not going to completely dismiss them because I'm being super honest that I don't know um so again I think it makes it super easy for people to kind of just be there like when that is what I want without me necessarily having to like heckle people to be there dude, I would agree and I think you're doing a good job with it thanks yeah man well this is exciting I'm excited to be there for it yeah cool well, thanks so much. Is there anything like you feel like you wanted to talk about on the podcast that like you didn't get a chance to? No, I think this was great. This is tight. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, thank Cheers. you. That was fun.